This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. Well, it is great to be prepared for things in life. Uh, Everyone knows that nothing really goes according to our plan. Um, But it's in those moments where with life, we take these turns and we don't expect what we are actually going to learn. And that is where valuable coping skills come in. But it's not always easy to predict how we are going to respond to things. So it's really nice to have a toolbox. And that's what I always tell my clients. My next guest, Dr. Thomas Sims, understands this very well. As a young doctor in the military, he was unexpectedly deployed to serve as the only physician in a remote part of Alaska. Dr. Sims is going to share how he learned how to overcome obstacles in his own life. And we're going to explore how we can all cultivate a spirit of resilience perseverance and how when you know life's waves come at you we can get through with shining colors so welcome to the show dr sims so happy to have you with me today well thank you so much and i am very happy to be here yeah you know i i feel like resiliency has been a topic that um you know i've been discussing this past month a lot with with within my work and um just kind of how you know it, it I'm in the recovery world as well and, and how a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily have a toolbox or like, you know, things to turn to that help them cope in healthy ways. So can we talk about that? I mean, do you, you know, a lot of a lot of in our culture is about, you know, using behaviors that are distracting, like overeating or drinking or using pills. So, um, you know, I think it's important that we almost have like a class in school that teaches healthy coping skills. <laughs> I would have, I could have really used that kind of a class. Let me tell you, you bet. Um, yeah. I I did not come from the the healthiest family background, uh-huh. and as a child, um, I I had to deal with addiction in my parents and with one of my brothers. Oh, and okay. what I learned, it just sort of, just by the grace of God, I would have to say, is that um, I learned some techniques when I was a kid to make it through that life. I don't know why I did. I just did. But then when I was um, separated up in the Arctic of Alaska and virtually, you know, just um, left, betrayed, if you will, by by my training and my experience to just kind of make do, I found that those same tools uh, that I learned as a child to help me adapt actually ended up being the things that made it possible for me to survive work and life up in the Arctic. And I decided those were the tools and the three principles that I learned that I wanted to talk about in my book. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to talk about the book. Can you tell everybody the name of the book and and how that came to be? Yes, the name of the book is On Call in the Arctic, uh, like doctors are on call. Yeah. And uh, there's kind of a metaphor in that name because the the theme of the book, you know, um, Erica, it's a memoir. And a memoir is is not a biography. A memoir is a portion of your life that really changes your life. It changes the whole direction uh, that you would have gone had you not had this experience. Right. And it has a theme uh, that other people can apply to their own lives. And right, uh, right. my book could be called On Call in the Arctic. It could be called On Call in Los Angeles, On Call in Portland. could be called On Call in Seattle. could be On Call anywhere. Basically, it deals with, uh, by telling by, exori- by a stories and examples of what I had to do um, when my training and my experience virtually just let me down, um, mm-hmm. It just gives the idea how anyone can develop skills to to survive, circ- uh, you know, extreme circumstances in their life. And so, 
that's the premise of the book is dealing with life's extreme circumstances. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, like, uh, you know, having this memoir being like a big chunk of a chapter of your life, um, you know, that's the inspiration for it. But I do feel like, you know, these themes, these themes of having to deal with, you know, these kind of moments where you have to step up and you have to figure out a way through can help us with the small moments as well. You know, I think day to day people are under a lot of stress, you know, just I mean, people have jobs and families. Right. So I think it's also very much building that muscle in your, you know, in your brain and building the muscle of patience, you know. Without, without a doubt. And that's a wonderful way to, to word that. Um, we know about muscle memory, and yeah. um, you bet. I do believe that um, we can work on our attitude, and we can work on our ways to adapt. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you know, Dr. Sims, I, I have a lot of clients that, that tend, and I don't know if this it's the culture in the United States, which I, I feel like, you know, I've been to other countries and talked to professionals in other countries where, you know, failure, the word failure really isn't the end of the world. Actually, failure in, in a country like Israel, it, you know, if you're a small company in Israel and you go for a loan at a bank, they actually want to see how many times you've failed before they give you that loan because they want to wow. see that you have, you know, the resiliency, you have the experience, you have the... Um, wherewithal to to continue even after hearing a no, even after having something fail, quote unquote. So, you know, and, and I feel like in this country, a lot of the young people I work with, it's like they try one thing and that's it. You know, they give up mm-hmm. or they feel like they don't have the, um, you know, the energy to try again. And, 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 I, and I just feel like it's it's something that um, maybe we have the wrong definition of what failure can be because really it's it's an experience and, and from that experience you seek a lesson and if you you know you you take the good you take the bad whatever it is but at least it's something that we're aware of on, on that level instead of feeling like defeated and of course if you can learn from your failure yeah right that's, yeah. A, that's a big part of it of the the three principles that I talk about in my book in order to to uh, make it through life and to uh, survive yeah, these extreme that. circumstances is, mm-hmm. is I learned that we, we need to learn to improvise. Okay. We need to learn to be flexible. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is perseverance. Just as you're saying, we don't make it this time. We try again and we try again and we try again until we finally get it right. Mm-hmm. And it's those three principles. I'm sure those are the principles that I just sort of by intuition learned as a child, but without a doubt, it's what I practice and I show by, by tremendous examples in my book is how improvising and being flexible, keeping at it no matter what, uh, allowed me to be able to do the work that I was able to do, including my delivering my own child, for example. I was the only doctor. My wife was pregnant. We went up there, and when it came time for that wonderful event, it was up to me. And so we did it, and that was probably the highlight of my life, being able to deliver my own child. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. What a great opportunity. And so tell us a little bit, I want to talk, I want to go back to, you know, improvise and, and the principles of the book, but I just want to hear a little bit about your um, experience in this remote part of Alaska. Like, how did that come about? How did you get up there and what was going on up there? I was, um, I had just completed my internship and I was accepted into a pediatric residency program. I was going to be a pediatric mm-hmm. surgeon and I got drafted. And it was real unusual uh, for a student. I was doing fine in my training to be taken right out of medical training. The war in Vietnam was going on, and um, I was a surgeon and interested in surgery. And I think probably the reason that I got drafted was that I would have been taken out of my training, sent immediately to Vietnam to be a MASH surgeon. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was, again, my, we had a, two, a two-year-old daughter at the time, and my wife was pregnant. This was a real blow. It was going to take me away from family and take away from my training. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity in lieu of going into the Army and being a, a um, mass surgeon if I would join, not wait to be drafted, but join up with the U.S. Public Health Service, mm. I, which is a commissioned corps also, mm. I would be taken up to Anchorage, Alaska, and at the large hospital there, they were building a brand-new pediatric wing, and I was going to be in charge of that wing. So I was oh, going to be chief wow. of pediatrics and public health service. And I thought, up in Anchorage, Alaska, I thought, that's a pretty good gig. I should take that. Yeah, it's a lot better than going to be good. a mom. So <laughs> rather than just waiting on the draft to see if it would happen, and inevitably it would happen, I had my physical on the whole bit, mm-hmm. I signed on the dotted line and said, you bet, we'll go up there. It's going to be a great life for a while. Well, as it turned out, as happens in the military, my orders changed, and when we mm. got up there, actually we found out about a month before that, that mm. rather going to Anchorage, I was going to be put out in the bush, and it was wow. going to be in Nome, where I would be the only doctor for about 7,000 people and about another 7,000 people in surrounding Eskimo villages. So wow. I was abandoned up there uh, to take care of mm. about 14,000 people virtually right out of my internship. And I said, hey, I'm a starter doctor. I'm not going to know how to do anything. But uh, that's what happened. Wow, how incredible. I mean, you must have yeah. must have definitely um, been so insightful in connecting with that culture, too. Well, it, it was, you know, by the seat of my pants, of course, at first. Right. And one of the things in my book, we, we don't have it in the book, um, but it is on the website, uh, discussion topics for book clubs, and that will be one of the discussions. Was it foolhardy of us to go to Alaska, especially when my wife was pregnant, you know, yeah. and we had a child? We made all these decisions thinking we were going to be in the big city. We had no idea what was going to happen to us until the very last minute, and by then it was right. we really had no choice. Getting uh, Being a part of, of the community became very important to us. Um, yeah. And actually, my wife was, I, I say, the one responsible for really turning the corner. We had a lot of social issues that we had to address. Mm-hmm. That was primarily because the, not, certainly not the Eskimo population in the Arctic, they're wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but the Caucasian yeah. element um, up in the town of Nome had difficulty um, because they had to rely upon the government to provide health care for them. They, they were unable to have a, a private doctor come up and know them and, and work and live. Nobody really wanted to go there. Right. And so I, we had to prove to the population there that just because we're military, we were physicians and we were going to do the best you know, that we could. Mm-hmm. But my wife decided to have the baby, and it was her decision, to have the baby in Nome, she did it because she felt that if people there didn't think I was good enough to take care of my own family, um, mm-hmm. that maybe I wouldn't be good enough to take care of them either. So mm-hmm. when she made good the decision, instinct. she wanted to have our, yeah. our son up in Nome and have me deliver him. I tell you, after that happened, it was a gigantic cultural change. And it was probably the best thing that we ever did. And I credit my wife for doing that. Yeah, yeah. I could see why she would want to do that. I probably built a lot of trust and uh, relatability also. So that's yeah, very <laughs> it, interesting. Yeah, it put a lot of stress on me, but it, ultimately, of course, it was the right thing. And now, of course, it's a wonderful memory that I have. Matter of fact, um, I told my son not long ago, of course, he's, he's an, an adult now, uh, yeah. but I told my son, when you read the book, you will get all the details of your birth. And very few Aww. people really, really get those details of their own birth. But, um, you know, that was very exciting for all of us to be able to have the baby there. 
That is exciting. How old is he now? He is in his mid forties. Oh, he's in his forties. Okay, okay, yeah. So he, yeah, I'm sure. And he's my daughter is a couple years older. Yeah. Oh, okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I mean, what an experience. I, I know in retrospect, it always sounds so adventurous and romantic, <laughs> you know, when you're telling it to other, to our audience and to other people, which, you know, but, but at the time, but at the time, yeah, it it really does, it, it does put things into perspective and, and how we have to kind yeah, of just does. persevere. So, um, the improv, you know, when you mentioned the, the three, um, what is it? What did you call it? The three the principles. I call them principles, principles of adaptation. Yeah, the principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of them of improvising. And I was I studied yeah. musical theater when I was in. A, and I'm a writer myself. I have books published, too. So we've, we have a lot in common. Um, uh-huh, but uh-huh. but I study musical theater. And I remember taking improv classes and having to, mm-hmm. you know, jump into scenarios. And, and, you know, for people out there that don't understand what that word is or or how we could even relate that to day to day life. It's just being adaptable, isn't it? And and Oh, Absolutely. You know, it's taking okay. what you have and right. making it work. I mean, that's really what improvising is. And of course, when I had when I had to do surgery, when I didn't have an, an operating room, didn't have operating nurses, didn't have anesthesia, many times didn't wow. have power. I've done surgery under flashlights uh, with oh just gosh. local anesthesia. Um, I became vital that I learned to improvise, to take what few little tools that I had and trying to be flexible with how I use them was able to um, do, you know, I think pretty good work up there, you know, considering what I had to do with. But that everybody can apply that to their own lives. That's, and that's mm-hmm. the point that my book will make them. Yeah. You can improvise, take the tools that you have and make them work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you persevere. know, it, and persevere. And I, and I love that you know, my grandfather always had this saying is like, you know, tell, tell, tell God your plans and he'll laugh that kind of thing, you know, yeah. or, or, <laughs> I you love know, that. It, it, yeah. yeah, but it's like, you know, we, we do, we, we tend as humans to, um, you know, not be able to let go. And we, we really do try to control a lot of aspects of our life when, you know, honestly, there's, there's some things we, we can't control, how we behave, uh, what values we choose to live by, what we do with our time, what people we allow. But at the, but then, again, we, we, we don't have control over things like what you absolutely um, went through, you know, having plans change, work changes, different people that you have to deal with. Um, you, we can't control others. You know, there's so many different things. And I, and I think it's uh, unwise of us to not have discussions like this because, you know, I think a lot of people would find much solace and peace if they could learn to let go of, of the things they can't control and understand that they'd feel better, you know, being proactive with the things they can. What, what I feel in this book, I have been uh, just given a, um, a, a blogging uh, position with Psychology Today, and I'll be blogging for my first blog. will go out uh, probably this week now, uh, and it's going to be a series of blogs entitled Under Extreme Circumstances. Mm-hmm. And what I'll be awesome. doing in that is being telling about the, the stories in the book and the things that I had to do and how I solved them. So it's an adventure story. I mean, when you read the book, it's not a a book on psychology. It's a book on adventure. It's been called a blend between Northern Exposure and Doc Martin. That's how my agent (laughs) pitched it, matter of fact. And and it is. I used to laugh. I could have written the script on that TV show, Northern Exposure, except I lived a life, and that guy had it made, you know. But then as I... As I give these examples and I, and I tell in, in scenes, you know, written as a novel, what I did and what uh, and how I had to improvise and how I had to solve the problems, 
Um, although they're very extreme, I'm hoping, and I and I put in messages in the writing, I'm hoping that people will see that uh, this is all adaptation. We're all capable of doing it, not just people mm-hmm. in the Arctic, people everywhere. And that's kind of how the theme of the book uh, develops as the story goes on. That sounds so fantastic. And let's talk about one more of the principles. Can you share just one more that you do that you do really use day to day? Oh, I use all three of those principles <laughs> with everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when um, I mean, with with everything, with perseverance. I'm working on a, a PowerPoint presentation right now. I have a book signing coming up this weekend, uh-huh. and I had some difficulty. I wanted to do some pretty neat pictures of Alaska with some with a soundtrack behind it, and I just had real difficulty uh, trying to. I'm not as techie as a lot of people are, uh, trying mm-hmm. to get that soundtrack to merge and to edit well and everything. But you know. I spent a lot of hours on it, but I wasn't bound to give up. Five minutes before time for our call, I got that last edit done, and I just checked it, and it's exactly wow. what I wanted. Yay, and that's good. perseverance. You know, in right. in the book, when I persevered, I wanted to. I was snowed in uh, in a, a beautiful Eskimo village called Gullivan. I I grabbed my go bag. I kept a go bag all the time. There was a young woman um, delivering a baby, and she was bleeding. She was having some trouble. I couldn't fly her into Nome. So I grabbed my go bag, hopped on a plane really fast, a a small little Cessna, and I flew out to to get her delivered. Well, during the the course that that we did the delivery, and the women were chanting around her and and blowing their smoke and doing all all this stuff to, to make it go real well, Mm-hmm. The, the blizzard of the century came in, and wow. I was weatherbound in Gullivan for 10 days with no clothing, no food, no nothing. So oh I gosh. ate muktuk, which is whale blubber, and um, seal liver, and I, you know, I lived with the Eskimo lady there who was a health aide. And after 10 days of that, I was going to get back. My wife had no idea where I was because we didn't have telephones. Oh I was bound gosh. and determined to do anything to catch a plane to get back to Nome. And so persevering with that, I allowed a young Eskimo kid to tie me on top of a bunch of boxes, load them on a dog sled, and with the snow machine pulling us, we went across the frozen Bering Sea in the dead of winter, the darkness of the winter, to try to get to another village where I might catch a plane. And that's an extreme circumstance, but where perseverance, you know, um, told me what to do. I needed to get home. And um, that's what I do in the book. I just try to give these experiences and how we solve them. Um, yeah. and see what happens. I have a Hollywood connection, and uh, she just loves the book, and she just keeps saying, you know, there's got to be a movie in this book somewhere, so we're going to yeah. be working on that when I get down to Palm Springs this season, matter of fact. Oh, great. Oh, I wish you the best of luck. I mean, this, I mean, this is incredible. Incredible life you've lived, and, and I can't oh, even imagine how, so much, yeah. how many people you've helped and babies you've delivered and, uh, you know, uh, it, it just touched so many lives. So, you know, it was all worth it. All worth it in the end. Well, it's all worth it in the end. And the rewards that you get are just, uh, you can hardly describe them, the feelings that you get by, by accomplishing something that you know was pretty extraordinary. At least that's the way I feel it. I had yeah. um, one of the experiences I had it was uh, a young lady came in, coming in in, in a labor, and she had a premature birth getting ready to be born. I didn't handle her pregnancy, a, a nurse that was in the area did. When I looked down, she said the baby's coming ready to deliver. I looked down to the birth canal area, and a hand fell out of her birth canal. Oh. And that's a shoulder presentation, meaning when a baby is coming out, you know, arm first, well, you can't deliver that kind of a baby. That's uh-huh. going to be a fetal death, and that's oh. going to be potentially a maternal death. 
Mm-hmm. And it was about 3 in the morning. We uh, was able to get a telephone call. We rarely could get a phone call into Anchorage, but we did. And about 3 in the morning, I was able to reach the person who was head of the Department of Obstetrics. And I said, I have this shoulder presentation and a Caucasian female. Uh, she's going to die. The baby's going to die. I'm out here in the Arctic in the middle of winter. What do I do? And the guy says to me, this is the, the head of the department, he says, pray. And then he hung up on me. No. So oh I had to be flexible, and I had to figure out how to take care of the situation. And it's right. a pretty dramatic scene. And then when you talk about rewards, Erica, I, I hardly believe this, that 17 years later, we were doing some painting in our house. And a painter was doing some work, and he saw we had a little Alaska memorabilia around, and he knew our uh-huh. name was Sims. And he said, by any chance, were you possibly a Dr. Sims that was up in Nome, Alaska? And I mm-hmm. said, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I was. Why do you ask? And he said, do you remember a little baby that came out hand first? Oh and I said, <laughs> you don't forget that. And he said, oh. I just want you to know that's my granddaughter. And she just no. graduated valedictorian of her high school class. Wow. That's and I incredible. tell you, when I learned that, I decided chills. at that moment, I did. I thought at that moment, that's why I was born. I was born to save that child's life. And yeah. those kind of rewards, you know, money doesn't factor in at all. You really wow. feel that you've finally done something that you're supposed to be doing on this earth. Wow, amazing. So you, you somehow turned her around, huh, and got her out of there. So. I <laughs> was able to scrub my hand, my shoulder, and my chest. I didn't have gloves yeah. long enough. I yeah. was prayed, like the guy told me. And then um, I just closed my eyes and cradled that little blue hand in my hand, in my hand, in my palm, Mm-hmm. And I just closed my eyes and tried to envision where my hand was, and I reached up as high as I could possibly go past my elbow, believe it or not. Yeah. And um, I was able to feel around. I could feel the placenta beating on my hands, uh, oh, ungloved because wow. you didn't have a glove. Right. And I was able to grab two little feet and deliver that baby just by retracting it that way. The feet first. I never oh. want to do it again. <laughs> but yeah. It was an amazing experience. <laughs> it sounds like it. it. Sounds like it. What an incredible story. Amazing. I, yeah. I, I really do. I hope to hear them all one day. So, you know, best thank you. Well, you'll get everything. them all. Read the book. I think you'll enjoy it. I really appreciate it. I will. It. Oh, I will for sure. So let's tell our audience where, where people could find the book um, and, and get a hold of you. Um, your website, I, I believe, I have doctalktoday.com. Um, is that yeah, the correct yeah. Doc Talk one? Today okay. is a free health tips newsletter that I write. I have about oh, 725 fantastic. subscribers to that. For the Great. book, uh, we have a website, exactly the same as the title of the book. It's mm-hmm. oncallinthearctic.com. And the book has a, a lot of pictures. I mean, the website has a lot of pictures in it, original pictures of ours. tells a lot about the memoir. If people mm-hmm. would like to order a personalized signed copy of the book, you can order it right through the website. And we're able to send those out to people. It's also available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of the bookstores, major bookstores and small bookstores are carrying the book now. So it's widely distributed. Oh, great. And so, and then your website too is thomasjsims.com. And yes, and there's also a thomasjsims.com. That's, that's pretty much devoted right now to uh, on call in the Arctic. That's, that's our major website. Thomas, uh, thomasjsims.com is my author uh, website. I, I wanted a, a career. I retired from medicine full-time in order yeah. to write full-time. So that's, that's where On Call in the Arctic plus a novel that I'm just about uh, ready to start pitching now. And then every work mm-hmm. I'll be doing will be loaded on that website. 
That's wonderful. Wonderful. What a wonderful, beautiful life. And I appreciate you being with us <laughs> today so that our audience get to get to know you better and myself. So, yes, we will keep in touch well, for you. sure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you You're so li- much. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us today and stay well.